Let's, uh, let's turn to Scripture, and before we do, let's pray together. Oh, God, quiet our hearts, still our minds, open our eyes, stir our imaginations that we might hear your word for us today. In the Spirit of Christ, we pray. Amen. Our Scripture reading this morning comes from the prophet Isaiah. Let's listen together for what the Spirit is saying to us. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings out chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise, they are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild animals will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself so that they might declare my praise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Author Robert Fulgham talks about a strange thing that used to happen where he lived at the very end of a dead-end street at the bottom of a hill in Seattle. It wasn't much to look at, he writes. It really didn't call to you to drive down it, kind of narrow and crooked and cluttered up. A van and a GMC two-ton flatbed and an old Airstream trailer were just part of the vehicular obstacle course there. Still, you could see all the way down from the intersection up at the top of the hill. And there were two signs up there, one on each side of the street, big yellow and black signs, both said the same thing, street ends. And down here at our end of the street, all the way down the hill, there was another sign, a big sign, black and white with stripes and reflectors, dead end is what it said. And you could see that sign from a long way off. Well... For all that, people just drove on down the street anyway. Not just part way, mind you, not just to where the reality of the situation cleared up. No, they drove all the way down, right up to the sign, the big black one with stripes, the one that said dead end. And they read that sign two or three times, almost as if they couldn't comprehend it. They looked to the other side of the sign to see if maybe there was some way around it. Sometimes they sat there for a minute or two, adjusting their minds. Then they backed up and turned around. And once they turned around, he noticed, they never drove away slow and thoughtful as if they had learned something. No, they tore away at full throttle as if fleeing evil. Folgum sees this as an example of our unconscious need for denial. Everybody wants the road to go on forever and ever. Nobody wants to run into a dead end. Which makes our reading from Isaiah particularly good news today. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. This is an amazing promise. No matter how dead our dead ends may be, God will find a way. 
No matter how sad or tired or broken down or beaten up we may get, God will do a new thing. That is the good news, the gospel right there. In the very first chapter of Genesis, the world is, this is my favorite Hebrew word, so I want to teach it to you all so you all can share it with your friends. The world is formless and void. The Hebrew is tohu vavohu. Everyone say tohu vavohu. Isn't that fun? You're going to share that with everyone you meet today. The world is tohu vavohu, formless and void, but God does a new thing, and order and beauty and life emerge. Now, science has stretched the six days of creation to a 13.7 billion year epic of evolution and emergence. God keeps on doing new things. Back to the Bible, Abraham, Abraham was nearly 100 years old and Sarah was nearly 90 and they thought they were pretty much done. But God did a new thing and their son Isaac was born. See, this same pattern occurs over and over again, all the way through the story of Jesus. Jesus lived in love with the world. He died in love for the world, and that looked like the deadest of dead ends. But God did something new. God found a way, and here we are today telling his story and serving in his name. This is the heart of our faith. No matter how dead our dead ends may be, God will find a way. God will do something new. It's an amazing promise, but it's not always easy to hold on to. You know, God doesn't promise to subdue the wilderness, only to make a way through it. God doesn't promise to take away the desert or take us out of it, only to find some water within it. God doesn't promise we will never find ourselves in a dead end, only that when we're stuck, God will do a new thing. No matter how wonderful things seem to have been yesterday, God will do a new, a new thing. No matter how tired we may be tomorrow, God will do a new thing. No matter how mundane the routine or sleepless the night or painful the argument, God will do a new thing. It isn't clear what the new thing will be. There's no promise to fix or to mend or to put more hours in the day. There's only the promise to make a way in the wilderness, a river in the desert, if we will look for it. I am about to do a new thing, God says. Do you not perceive it? Sometimes we don't perceive it. Sometimes we don't perceive the new thing God is doing because we're too busy holding on to former things. Did you catch what the text said? Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. Now, I don't think that means we're supposed to throw the past overboard. It doesn't mean we're supposed to forget our, our story, forget why we're here or what we're all about. It doesn't mean we're supposed to forget everything that we've learned or all the people we've loved or all the good that we've done. We're celebrating 150 years in this congregation. There's a lot to remember and be grateful for. But you know, you know there are some parts of the past that really do need to be let go of. That grudge that you have nursed for years, that time that you felt let down or betrayed and you just can't seem to move on, that terrible mistake you made, words you wish you could take back, unthinking actions that had painful consequences, 
anger and fear and guilt and shame, grudges and regrets, we carry too much of that around. And as long as we're carrying all that baggage around, it's hard to perceive the new thing God is doing. And sometimes we miss it not because of grudges or regrets, but just because we're too tired. You know, it feels like we've been chopping wood and carrying water all day, every day. It feels like the world won't spin without us or the family won't hang together without us or the church won't make it without us. And so we run faster and work harder and sigh louder and we wonder if there's anything more. And we miss the new thing God is doing. We get stuck, dead end. Well, God is all about doing new things all about finding a way forward. God is all about taking tired and broken down and beaten up things and restoring them, making them new. And as we all know, that's never a painless process. I have a friend who specializes in restoring furniture. And I remember I asked her one time, what goes into being an excellent restorer of furniture? And her answer surprised me. Imagination. She said, you have to see past the layers of paint and chips, past all the scruffs and the scars. You have to look past all the faults in the wood and the broken pieces. You have to be able to see the piece of furniture in its original beauty. You have to get excited about the possibilities you see beneath the surface. You have to have time and energy. These things don't just happen overnight. The miracle doesn't happen with the snap of a finger. And she said, love is more important than skill. You need to love the piece of furniture and its possibilities. The skills aren't that hard to learn. The skills of stripping it or choosing the right sandpaper or fixing a broken hinge. The skills are important but not as important as loving the possibilities you can see in the furniture. Now, we may not like to think of ourselves or our church as a beat-up old piece of furniture, but our lives can become coated with layers of old paint. And sometimes we're layered with bitterness and cynicism, and sometimes it's just layers of weariness from having worked too hard for too long And we all have some scuff marks, some scars. Life can scar us deeply. We all get hurt, scarred by our families, scarred by life changes, scarred by churches that told us we didn't belong. Good news is God is in the restoration business and God has infinite time and energy and imagination and love to see the job through. So maybe the only thing we have to do as as individuals and as a faith community is to be open to it, to let go of whatever holds us back, to look for the new thing God is doing. We have to use our imaginations, build ourselves up, open ourselves up for the new thing that God is doing. As Joseph Campbell said, we must be willing to let go of the life we have planned so as to take the life that is waiting for us. Or as Mary Oliver put it, always keep some room in your heart for the unimaginable. I've wandered around the streets of Hickory a lot over the past few months, mostly because I've been lost. 
And I'll admit, I've seen my share of dead end signs. And you know, I confess, I'm tempted to spray paint all over those signs. I'm not going to do it, but I'm tempted to as a kind of prophetic protest. We've not hit a dead end. God is not done with us yet. God is not done with this world. God is not done with this congregation. God is not done with you or with me. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Always, always keep some room in your heart for the unimaginable. Thanks be to God. Amen.